Hello, I'm Chris Biddle and welcome to Inside AgriTurf. In the years preceding the onset of the global pandemic, for the UK and Europe there was only one show in town, Brexit, the B word, a debate that had split Parliament, split families and split friends and colleagues. There was, of course, careful analysis of the pros and cons and cultured views expressed by both sides. It all came to a head on the 23rd of June 2016, when the country went to the polls in a referendum to remain or leave. The result was always going to be tight. Predictions swung one way then the other until the sun rose on the 24th of June. Well, at 20 minutes to five, we can now say the decision taken in 1975 by this country to join the common market has been reversed by this referendum uh, to leave the EU. Despite the close result, there were no calls for a recount, no forced claims of a fix or rigged referendum, nor did the sizeable supporters of Remain storm the Houses of Parliament and trash the place. It was always going to be a long-winded and tortuous exit route, which was blocked at several stages in Parliament until after the general election in December 2019, when Boris Johnson won a sizeable majority. There followed uh, several further attempts to thwart the timetable as negotiations with the EU continued towards the planned exit date of the 31st of December 2020. In the event, a, a deal was confirmed just before Christmas 2020 in challenging circumstances as the world had been plunged deeper into the Covid crisis. One of the sticking points was always the status of the island of Ireland with the Republic remaining in the EU whilst Northern Ireland is part of the UK. For Irish companies wishing to trade in the mainland UK, there were a new set of rules and regulations. And for Irish companies who also had a base in the UK, there were of course extra challenges. Now one such is family owned farm and garden machinery. A distributor of lawnmowers and garden equipment based at Malahide, at some 10 or 12 miles north of Dublin, who also have a branch in Warwickshire in the UK. So on a day when the Brexit story collides with the ongoing fight against COVID-19 and a row about the allocation of vaccinations to the EU, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Butterley, the MD of Farm and Garden Machinery, to talk not about the rights and wrongs of the current brouhaha, but about the impact of Brexit on his company. So Paul, welcome and, and thank you for joining me. So how are you coping with these changes? Well, you know, just to give you a bit of background, uh, Chris, uh, our company, Irish Farm and Garden Machinery, was set up by my father, Pat, in the early 70s. <clears throat> you know, I, I think even then it was always his aspiration to trade in the UK. You know, he, he saw he would have seen the UK as a much bigger market uh, with more opportunities and certainly um, had a lot more grass to be cut. Are you, so, are you sure about that? Because I've always reckoned that you on over in Ireland uh, have more grass than I've well, ever seen in my life. Well, yeah, we do have a lot of grass, but uh, no, I, I, I still think I think it was probably also the opportunities with the, the economy and uh uh, certainly in the early 70s, um, you know, things were fairly grim here in Ireland. So it would have been even difficult then. So 
he always had set his, uh, his aspirations to, to set up in the UK. But, but it wasn't until really until 1990 uh, when, when an opportunity arose for us to, or, uh, you know, an opening for us to sell Shibara tractors. And, you know, this was the catalyst then for us to set up our UK company, which was farm and garden machinery. We just dropped the Irish bit for convenience. Well, uh, but you were, did you have a base over here then? No, I mean, that was the thing. Um, you know, it was, it was never going to be easy. I mean, at that time, my dad just, you know, he gave me a car and a map and he, he sent me on my way. Um, you know, to get established uh, was always going to be a problem. You know, at that time I was, you know, I had youth on my side. I was determined, ambitious, and um, I had a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, not that I can say all that is uh, true now, but uh, I wouldn't like to be doing it today. But that's that's where it was then. But that must have been quite costly coming over to uh, UK well, on, on a regular occasion. Yeah, well, I mean, that you know, that was the problem. And really, uh, you know, the main game changers for us was the Maastricht Treaty, uh, which which came into effect in January 93, which which allowed us free trade. And uh, um, it also, you know, Ryanair was a, was another um, company, a small company at that stage who were in their infancy. And, you know, at, prior to that, for us to travel to, the regional airports in the UK would have cost about £500 per trip. With Ryanair, not only was it cheap, um, I, I, I was also uh, permitted to bring a sample lawnmower on as free luggage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Mr. O'Leary so, would absolutely dine out on you today, well, wouldn't he, on that? Well, I, I think he must, have, he must have heard about it because uh, he certainly changed his rules. But, you know, it, it was always a challenge for me because, uh, you know, by the Friday, um, I had to sell off the machine because... With the packaging, it was impossible for me to bring it back home. So, <laughs> so, so that's where the challenges were then. Was that but, the challenge from your dad? The, the, don't dare bring it home. <laughs> well, I think that was it. It was a one-way trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Was the decision to, to come over there, was it with half an eye to the fact that uh, we were going to the single market in, what, in January 93? Well, no, well, we wouldn't. At that stage, that wasn't decided. So prior to that, um, it was cumbersome and there was a lot of restrictions. You know, there would have been VAT and VAT uh, formalities and customs clearance to be to be done with all our all our shipments. So so that was that was a that was an issue. So, you know, in a, in a way, it's ironic that we're kind of nearly back there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when, um, when when did the opportunity to set up a base come about then? Well, Paul? well, I mean, you know, we had traded for a number of years in the UK and, you know, we, we were doing quite well because at that stage we were we had we were appointed to distributors for Harry and for Tanaka and as well as Shibara. So so we, we were we were building and we would have just had sales reps. But, uh, you know, in 2000, 2006 uh, was an agreement and we, we, we bought the assets of uh, Claymore grass machinery from Reiki Engineering and that's how we formed FGM Claymore. So really it was only then that we had a proper structure facility with support staff um, based in the UK. Um, so we, you know it's now um, it's only now that we're really going to see those benefits of having a separate structure. Uh, and um... What was your reaction in uh, in 2016 when uh, when the vote to for the e UK to leave the uh, EU well, came about? Did you uh, tear your hair out? Or? Well, I, I, you know, I think uh, you know there's moments in everyone's life that they just never forget, and you know, certain <laughs> dates and that. And I never forget going to sleep that night and saying, "Right, that's it. It's in the bag. It's not going to happen." Yeah. And then and then by by six o'clock next morning, it was it was the decision was made, and I was a 
52% voted to leave. So, you know, yes. that was, that's so we've been, we've been working on that for the last four years. Or, yeah. Or so, so you've had, you've had four years, but of course, as yeah. we all know, uh, nothing uh, was really able to be uh, settled much, well, much before the uh, transition date uh, just a few months ago. So how much advanced preparation were you able to do? Do you think, Paul? Well, you know, you know, we knew the date was going to, was coming around and we knew it took us four years, but you know, it was difficult prepare it was you know nobody knew what the outcome was going to be and uh, it you know this this went to the line and uh, it was really not until uh, Christmas Eve uh, when it was announced that the EU trade and cooperation agreement was set and and really uh, so to prepare for that in advance it, it was always going to be difficult because well, you had you know, six days we had six days yeah well we had a lot of um, turkey to eat and drink yeah. to drink in the meantime yeah so i mean obviously you had to get up to or try to get up to speed as as soon as you could i mean you were presumably able to make uh, what arrangements that you were able to know about so there was a certain amount of preparation going yeah. on but but even now uh, paul uh, does everybody know and understand fully the, the the all the issues and the procedures of of trading under the new regulations no well yeah, it seems to be um and and there is a lot of there seems to be no consistency with the interpretation of the, the new rules and we're seeing that from freight companies and you know different freight companies interpret the rules differently we would have we would use different couriers for for different parts of the 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 business um but it it seems to be very unclear and their systems aren't fully set up <clears throat> you know they've had to take extra staff in and these extra staff need training so paperwork is causing delays at the moment and and you know there's there's also some some um, issues on our side because you know we're representing the sender and the receiver of the goods and both of them yes. have to, to pass uh, formalities before we before the goods travel yeah and just to get one thing clear um is it just one company so so fgm claymore is a branch of or does it run as a separate company uh, paul oh no it's a completely separate identity um so uh, you know fgm claymore or farm and garden machinery is a subsidiary of irish farm okay. but it's a fully owned british company yes uh, uk I... company so we would uh, we would have our you know our own vat number and our um eori number so in those first few days, where there's an immediate impact on the way you ship stock between Ireland and, and the UK? You know, when it comes to whole goods or machines, we kind of secured where we're, you know, our each base with, with each different stock. Uh, so the main, the start of the year, you know, the, the, the main mover would have been spare parts. And yeah. that's probably where it's going to be. So, so, so this would have had, you know, low value. So it, it's not practical or feasible to do a customs entry on each package you know going to each different dealer so you know what we've chosen to do is to collate the orders and and you know send one shipment per day um to our uk operation and then they would sub-distribute it from there and i mean that's that is you know what we did pre-maastricht treaty and um you know that's what we're going to probably have to do now because the value of of sometimes some low cost items you know it's not feasible because each each entry will have will have extra charges so the best way to handle it is by 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 collating the packages 
and, and presumably you, you you do try and centralize some stock so d- does it mean that you 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 have to route products from your suppliers particularly in europe uh, mm. differently than you you did before uh, choosing either between ireland or directly into the uk yeah well normally uh, most of our products actually is coming from outside Europe, but the the you know from Japan or China or the United States, but it, you know it so happens that you know by circumstance rather than choice, the supply of Tanaka machines finished. Um, you know this was Hitachi or Haikoki now made the decision to exit OPE business completely out of our control. But sort of as a default, we were kind of Brexit ready because we would have brought that product into Ireland and 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 redistributed to the UK. That has changed. Um, you know, subsequently, we, we've taken on the, the Mariama agency um, and that's been stocked completely in, in the UK. So we wouldn't we don't have to worry about that. And, and we're well, we're recording this just about a month since January the 1st. Right. Um, have you got uh, had any sort of take on the extra paperwork and, and admin mm. that's been involved? And, and do you do it all yourselves? Well, you know, at the moment, uh, we're doing it ourselves. Um, you know, the extra, you know, what we have to remember, all invoices now have to have commodity codes, um, something that, you know, w- would be alien to us that we would normally have to do, country of origin and weight. So these are all things that we have to have the paperwork right in advance um, or else uh, it, it's, it's, not, it's not going to depart. We, we're sending some staff on, on a skill net course to update their skills on, on the new customs and exercise procedures. So really, it's still work in progress. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time to bed in. That's, that's reality. And 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 what about um, timescales and uh, Paul? Is there ha, do you anticipate much of a delay in in transferring stock or indeed bringing stock into uh, either your depot in Ireland or into the UK? Is there much yeah. delay being built into the system during well, the moment? At the moment, you know, it's a little bit up in the air because because of. Um, delays in ports and whatever congestion but you know on a regular basis we we reckon it's just probably going to take an extra day to deliver uh, make deliveries to uh to, to dealers yeah uh, uh, whole goods won't be as bad because uh you know we're mostly stocked up in the uk or else we'll have more time to to sort out the the, the warehousing and obviously all of this does come with extra costs, doesn't it? I guess in, in time and actual physical work and so on. Uh, it, where's that cost going to be born? Are you going to have to bear it as, 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 as FGM or, yeah. or is it going to be passed on or how do you see things panning out? Well, you know, the cost, yes, there is going to be extra cost, um, which we're, we're trying to keep to a minimum, but by the number of clearances we do. But, you know, it's, it's, it's our issue to overcome. Um, and, you know, it's our choice that we trade in the UK. It's, it's part of our distribution cost. And that's, you know, that's the way we'll see it. we see it. Do you get any sense of uh, that, that shipping costs are increasing at the moment? Well, oh, well, that's 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 a completely, you know, uh, it's up in the air because uh, shipping costs into the UK or into Ireland or anywhere from China is is, is skyrocketing because of the, the 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 lack of containers. You know, that's that's a problem. But but even on our daily shipments, um, yes, they have been creeping up, and there is more charges. So so that's another reason why um, it, it's more beneficial for us to send, say, say one parcel rather than 
and numerous parcels per day. Yeah. And and what about what sense do you get about uh, availability of, of stock generally of, of whole goods of spare parts? Um, do you sense there's going to be any issues uh, surrounding supply during this year as we as we move into the season? Well, you know, the supply issue is is really, um, you know, the, we, we are finding delays from, from factories are, are around the world. They're all having some component suppliers and, you know, COVID is having a big issue here. Um, but, but there are delays. Normally, we would try to camouflage a lot of our sort of inefficiencies by some suppliers um, by, by, by overstocking. So yeah. we would generally um, have, have overstock, but, uh, you know, this we would be placing pre-season orders or, or such else. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. We, we, we will, um, um, we will endeavor to try and supply as best we can. I think that's the phrase we're all having to live with at the moment, isn't it? It is what it is. Uh, do, do you, do you, um, do you use an agent at all for any of this shipping work or, or you, as I say, do you all, are you handling it internally at the moment? Yeah, well, again, at the moment, we're going to handle it for ourselves, but it may be a case that we have to engage with a, an external agent, but they are kind of difficult to get at the moment because there's a huge requirement for them. So to try and take somebody on board, um, we don't know, different, also different carriers, it's easier to use there fixed charges for customs clearances. So we, in some cases, we certainly might be simpler to, to engage with, with, with them. Of the portfolio of brands that you, yeah. you, you represent then, Paul, presumably it's only those that come from the EU. I mean, which brands are most affected by new legislation? Well, the new legislation, uh, you know, well, I mean, the biggest issue, if we still had to knock it, that would have been the most uh, um, would certainly have affected us most but now with snapper and massport they're all stocked in the uk so uh separate locations so i don't envisage there being much real issue with that delay uh, and, and what about the imposition of, of tariffs and and indeed yeah. vat well well this is a this is a, a interesting uh, area um and and really it's quite complicated you know when it comes to vat you know the hmrc have have given people a choice of how they have to handle vat whether they defer it or whether they pay it on on um on on import you know we're at the moment we find it easier to pay to pay on import um you know as we're moving goods but but you know each transaction um you know we have to pay the vat and then we claim it back in our own normal returns um on tariffs uh, is also another uh, area um which is kind of new for us uh, when we're trading within uk and within ireland you know a lot of items in our industry are tariff free which which means there's no duties however there are exceptions um, in spare parts and in machines. And for example, uh, hedge trimmers and chainsaws, they're not duty free. And there are duties due if the country of origin is outside the, the EU. Um, you know, so here, you know, you, you do need to be careful because you can be hit with double duties. You know, and this is, for instance, if you import a chainsaw from China, um, you have to pay the duty on import. And then if you ship that chainsaw to either Ireland or the Northern Ireland, um, duties will have to be paid again. 
to enter those regions. So, so I think you know it's 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 important to look at that, and that you have to be careful that that there could be double duties in certain cases. So, uh, one other point, of course, that um, uh, the island of Ireland is is split into two, as as we know, or two two entities. What about trading with your dealers in Northern Ireland? Uh, how is that going to happen? Well, this is all, you know, this is completely new um, because there's now a border, a virtual border on the Irish Sea. You know, oh, so and, you don't and, have to cross a border then? Huh? So, 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 so this, you know, so this, what this means is that, you know, goods entering Northern Ireland from UK mainland, you know, has the same customs formalities um, you know, as the same as shipping goods to any EU country. For, um, you know, it, for us now, it's easier for us to try trade with Northern Ireland from Ireland because there is no border. There yeah. is no formalities. We've, in our island, we've got completely free trade. So although Northern Ireland uh, is part of UK, it still is in the customs union in, in Europe. Yes. So this is also going to be quite, quite confusing, but we're kind of, the fact that we have an operation in Ireland will make it a little bit easier for us. And, and Paul, what, from what you know, what's been the attitude of particularly your suppliers in the EU to Britain's decision to leave uh, the, the, the trading arrangement? Um, are, they, are they baffled by it? Um, what's the view out there? Well, you know, I mean, I think uh, it, it was there was a democratic vote, and and uh, and it, you know in the UK they they did decide to 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 leave, and you know now we have to respect the rules. You know the game has changed, yes. and uh, you know if you're not in, you can't win. So really, <laughs> uh, you know you have to you have to play play the game. So here we are. On, on the verge of the, the, the season, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be 1st of fe- fe- February. We're in, going to be in February. Uh, who knows when the season will, will start. Mm-hmm. Um, are you confident that um, as we move forward that you, will, that, that you will get things together a little bit better and uh, things will settle down better, Paul? Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know, I'm actually hoping for an early start of the season. <laughs> so I'd like to think that we, we will start in February. You know, I'm, I'm confident that once the paperwork is in order, we'll get used to the new normal. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, as I said, I'm more concerned about other factors, um, like shortage of containers from China and the Far East, um, which is, is fueling these crazy price increases. But, you know, I, I think that, that we will be ready. Either way, whatever's going to happen next year, the, the grass will grow and products will be supplied. Well, that's absolutely right. And the grass will grow and in the autumn, the leaves will fall off the trees yeah. and, yeah. and um, we will clean them up and then we will start all over again. Um, yeah, well, well, Paul, that's terrific. Uh, that's a very interesting insight into the early days impact of Brexit on, on your company. Uh, the fact that you've got two branches, one inside the other outside the single market, must have, have given you a fresh perspective on your business. Um, you know, over this side of the RSC, we have a great affinity with Ireland, its traditions and its quirkiness. The fact that you've got two international football teams, one the Republican Ireland, the other Northern Ireland. And yet when it comes to rugby and cricket and some other sports, you are one team, Ireland. Still, I hope the admin settles down, goods flow in and out. 
then the grass grows and the dealers are happy. That's 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 what we're thinking. Yeah. I, Excellent. Well, look, thank you ever so much, Paul. That's that's really great. And, and thank you for your time today. Yeah, well, thanks, Chris. And thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye. So there you are. A fascinating account from Paul of his company who set up in the UK two years before the Maastricht Treaty established a free trade single market, but who now find themselves back to square one after the UK decided to leave the club. So it was, if you like, out in out for farm and garden machinery. But as you can hear, Paul and his colleagues are pragmatic and clear-headed, just wanting to go with the flow and deal with knock-on effects as they arise. And I suppose that sums up the attitude of the agriculture community as a whole, unflappable, resourceful and creative. I'm Chris Biddle. Thanks for joining me, and this is Inside AgriTurf. <laughs>